Okay, just a uh, recap, we're looking at the femoral triangle region. We had the inguinal ligament that came across the bottom, which was the bottom free edge of the aponeurosis of the external oblique. Came from the uh, anterior superior iliac spine, came down and attached onto the tubercle and the pubis. We looked at the very, very beginning, we looked at the reflection of that ligament along the pectineal line as the lacunar ligament. That's this portion here folding around like that. We had uh, passing underneath the inguinal ligament, the uh, femoral vein. Femoral vein's gonna come up this way. Once the femoral vein goes underneath the inguinal ligament on the other side of it up here, it would be referred to as the uh, external iliac vein. We had then coming back down this way, <coughs> the arterial supply. This would be my external iliac, my external iliac artery. If I take it underneath the inguinal ligament, it'll become the femoral, changes its name. Same vessel, but it's gonna change its name. And so we have the vein on the medial side of the artery. We have the femoral nerve coming off that lumbar plexus over here. We had the artery and the vein encapsulated in a, a fascial sheath called the femoral sheath. We had over here a little bit of a gap in that sheath that will end up with some deep lymph nodes, which we'll look at at the very end of the section when we look at So all this femoral sheath would, would en en encapsulate the femoral vein and the femoral artery, and it would also incorporate over here some deep lymph nodes, but the sheath would not incorporate the femoral nerve over here. And then we had that whole thigh region covered with a fairly dense bundle of uh, fascia called the fascia lata. We need a hole in that for the great saphenous vein to come up and empty into the femoral vein. Okay, we looked at that. Uh, and so, we took a look at the femoral artery coming down. It gave off a major branch called the deep femoral. Sometimes they refer to this, the main trunk of the femoral artery as the superficial, and then there's the deep one, which is the branch off of it. We had the, the, then the main trunk of the femoral artery coming down this way. It was going to give off a, in the femoral triangular region, it was going to give off a deep branch. The deep branch was going to do a couple of things. It was going to give us a medial and uh, uh, lateral circumflex. The lateral circumflex would go back across underneath the sartorius, underneath the rectus. The medial circumflex would go back around uh, between the pectineus muscle and the uh, iliopsoas muscle group that we looked at. And here we, and then the continuation then of that deep femoral artery would go back down behind the adductor longus muscle coming around this way. And then the deep femoral artery was going to give off a number of perforating branches, and the perforating branches were. Uh, perforating branches, we're going to go through the small openings in the adductor magnus muscle. We haven't done the adductor magnus yet, but we will today. It has in its attachment along the whole line of the linea aspera of the femur, it has a series of small holes in it that will allow these perforating branches to go and supply the arterial supply to the back portion of the thigh. So here's my major, here's my femoral artery coming down this way. Here's my deep femoral coming this way behind the adductor longus going to give off a medial and lateral circumflex. Medial circumflex will hook around behind. Lateral circumflex will come across the front. And then we have a series of those perforating branches that will go through the openings of the adductor magnus. Take a look at it that way. And one other thing I'm going to show you, one other, and we'll come back to it when we take a look at the hip. Here's the blow up then of the deep femoral. The lateral circumflex coming this way. The medial circumflex coming around this way. You notice the medial circumflex is, is going to be a fairly important arterial supply to the neck of the femur, this area here. 
Now, this, are, these branches will go through the fibrous capsule of the hip joint, and they'll be a major supplier to the area of the neck of the femur. It becomes important when you dislocate your hip or break the neck of the femur that you maintain this arterial blood supply so that the bones can uh, mend themselves. If the blood supply is it, it disrupted, then you're going to have trouble uh, mending the bone in the, in the uh, neck of the femur coming around that way. So we're gonna, we'll look at that when we take a look at the hip joint itself. We'll come back and take a look at branches off that medial circumflex that are fairly important in supplying the area of the neck of the femur. And for some reason, it doesn't want to go down. Oh, there we go. It does. All right, and th that gives you the idea of those perforating branches, if you look at the, the right picture. And there are a series of openings or holes in the adductor magnus that allow those perforating branches to go back behind and supply the arterial blood supply to the back of, back of the thigh region. Okay. So our next step is to go a little bit lower than that. So what we've done is we've taken the femoral triangle, we look at the inguinal ligament coming this way, we use the medial border of the sartorius as one boundary, we use the medial border of the adductor longus as the other boundary, and it gives us this femoral triangle here. The apex of the triangle will be here, where the adductor longus and the sartorius come together, gives us the, that spot. Now from there down to here is a space referred to as the adductor or subsartorial canal. The sartorius muscle is going to be the roof of this canal. It's a fascial sheath, once again, that's going to incorporate a few structures as they pass from this spot here where the sartorius and the adductor longus have come together at the point, and it's going to be the end of the canal will be down here. Now, if we look at, let me just skip forward for a second. We haven't done it yet, but let me just go forward for a second just to give you an idea. Here's the adductor magnus, which I mentioned a few times, but we haven't done it yet. Adductor magnus down here will have an attachment onto the adductor tubercle, but it has a distinct hole or uh, hiatus down here. This is going to then allow the femoral artery to come down, go through that hole, and go behind the knee and become the popliteal artery. And it's going to allow the popliteal vein, which is the vein behind the knee, to come through that hole and come up this way as the femoral. This then will be the bottom of that adductor canal or, or subsartorial canal. It'll go as far as the adductor hiatus. It starts up here where the sartorius and the, and the adductor longus have come together uh, to form the apex of that femoral triangle. So that's, where we're, that's the area we're looking at. Okay. I don't like that picture. Go this picture. Here's a section then through that spot. So what we're looking at is the femur sits here. This would be my femoral triangle, uh, my adductor uh, canal, subsartorius canal region here. And you'll notice that the sartorius muscle will then give us the roof to the space. And posterior and medial, the boundary of that canal will be the adductor longus and the gracilis. And over here on the lateral side, the boundary on the lateral side will be the vastus medialis. So that, those are then going to give us the boundaries for this space. Here's another look at the same thing, same kind of idea. All right. So here's my, my canal here, and the roof to the canal will be the sartorius muscles as it travels down. Over on the back medial portion of it, we'll have the adductor longus and the adductor magnus muscles. They'll help to form the um, back medial boundary. And then the lateral boundary will be the vastus medialis muscle. And it gives us that confined little triangular space where we're having a number of things passed down. And what we're going to find in there will be the femoral artery and the femoral veins. The artery's the red one and the vein's the blue one. 
we will also find in that space uh, the saphenous nerve. You remember the saphenous nerve was a, a cutaneous nerve from the femoral. We weren't going to use it until we got down to the medial side of the ankle. But it's going to also pass in that canal, that region. And uh, to be very, very specific, also in that canal, we're going to get the uh, uh, nerve supply to the vastus medialis. It's not in the notes, but don't worry about it. That's why in this picture you see two little yellow dots here. Well, the one little yellow dot would be the saphenous nerve, and the other one would be the nerve that goes to supply the vastus medialis. The one thing that's not in here is a, a small artery, which is a branch off the femoral. It's called the saphenous artery. It really doesn't do a lot we don't really have to worry about it. It only goes down about as far as the knee joint, but it is included as a component within that canal. You can just barely see here how that, the uh, fascial covering making up the canal here, and within that spot, we are going to end up with the femoral artery, the femoral vein. We end up with the saphenous nerve, which was that nerve that we had to, that we were going to use down at the ankle on the medial side. And we have a very small, insignificant saphenous artery. We have to mention it because when you take a look at the space, the artery's there, and you have to, you have to, um, you have to list it. But it's really insignificant for us because it's only going to go as far as the knee, and then it kind of quits. It stops. It just gives you an arterial supply around the knee joint. So those of them would be the components found within this tunnel: femoral vein, femoral artery, saphenous artery, and saphenous nerve are going to be located in there. This gives you then an idea of, this, of the space that we're looking at coming around this way. Right? And once again, if we take a look at the a section through the thigh region, and then we've got that look where we have the boundaries to the subsartorial canal, or, uh, or adductor canal, same thing. Okay. Then if we look at the femoral vein, now we're going to pick up the, if we're behind the knee, the, the, the vein behind the knee, the deep vein there, is going to be the popliteal vein. The popliteal vein will now go through the adductor hiatus here, which was that opening in the adductor magnus muscle down at the knee joint, and then it'll travel up the medial side of the thigh. If we're behind the knee joint, the vein is going to be posterior to the artery. The, the, the um, femoral artery has come down this way, it's come down and gone through the opening in the adductor magnus, and it goes behind the knee joint. The artery behind the knee is the deepest structure found in that region behind the knee. Then just posterior to that, or if you want to superficial to it, if you're, come, if you're working backward, superficial to that will be the vein. So the vein is going to be positioned here, technically posterior to the artery. The artery will be anterior to the vein. But you come up and take a look at the relative position here. When we, look, when we had it coming through underneath the inguinal ligament, we had the vein on the medial side of the artery. By the time you get it back down here, the vein will be just posterior to the artery. So it changes its relative position uh, from the top here to the bottom. Okay. And once again, we have the great saphenous vein coming up, emptying into the femoral vein just before the femoral vein would go underneath the inguinal ligament. Once the femoral vein goes underneath the inguinal ligament, the continuation of it back here would be the external iliac vein. Um, yeah, I think I already did that. Okay. And I did this muscle out of sequence. 
um, because when we took a look at the femoral triangle, uh, the one picture I had did show a little bit of the adductor brevis muscle poking out, so I talked about it at that time. But if you notice in the notes, the adductor brevis muscle is now listed with its origin and its insertion and its action. So here is our adductor brevis coming across this way. Adductor brevis will once again come from that bottom rim of the hip bone. We pick it up here. Remember we said before this area here would sometimes be referred to as the conjoint ramus. It's the inferior ramus of the pubis, meaning the ramus of the ischium forms this whole bottom boundary. And the adductor brevis is going to come from that spot. Adductor brevis then would come across and attach onto the back surface of the femur just above the attachment for the adductor longus. Adductor brevis will still be innervated through the obturator nerve. Operator nerve was one of the two main principal nerves coming off the lumbar plexus. The femoral was one, and the obturator was the other one, um, which is consistent with the adductors, except for the uh, pectineus muscle, we said, was innervated through the femoral nerve. So the adductor brevis will pass in front of the hip. It'll give you hip flexing. It's an adductor. It will bring the hip back in towards the midline for adduction. And we looked at that, and I think I talked about that very specifically uh, the last class, but a kind of out of sequence in the note. So there's our adductor brevis there. Okay. Our adductor magnus is going to be the last one in this group. It does come from a large attachment here. You can see it came from that conjoint ramus all the way back here to the ischial tuberosity. So if you take a look at that hip bone picture again, you notice our adductor magnus is coming from the, this portion here of the conjoint ramus and all the way back here to the ischial tuberosity. So there is part of that muscle which is going to pass in front of the hip joint. That would be this portion here. And the part that's coming from back here around the ischial tuberosity is going to pass behind the hip joint. Then we'll take the whole muscle and attach it virtually the whole length of the linea aspera down here. And once again, we'll have openings in the adductor magnus that will then allow those uh, arteries from the deep femoral, those perforating arteries, to go back and behind and service the, the backside of the thigh. And we have the opening down here, which is going to allow the femoral, the uh, popliteal vein to come up through and become the femoral vein. It's going to allow the femoral artery to come down, go through, go behind the knee to become the popliteal artery. And then it attaches here to the adductor tubercle, coming around this way. That part of the muscle that is coming from the front portion here, from that bottom rim that, of the conjoint ramus that does pass in front of the hip joint, that part of the muscle in most people will be innervated through the obturator nerve. But that part of the muscle back here that comes from the ischial tuberosity, that part will be in most people innervated by the sciatic nerve. The sciatic nerve is the nerve that's going to innervate the hamstring muscle group that travels down behind the back of your thigh. The hamstring muscles originate from the ischial tuberosity. So the back part of the adductor magnus is going to act like at the hip, it will act like a hamstring muscle. If you notice, um, I haven't done it yet, but you notice back here the ischial tuberosity, it has the attachment for the three hamstring muscles, semitendinosus, semimembranosus, biceps femoris, and the adductor magnus is a very close to that attachment. So the back part of the muscle is going to act on the, at the hip like a hamstring muscle in that we, it'll extend the hip joint. The front part of the muscle here crosses in front of the hip joint, so it's going to act as a hip flexor. The front part of the muscle, the anterior part of the adductor magnus, will be innervated through the obturator nerve, which is the nerve we had 
did all the other adductors except for the pectineus muscle. And the back part of the adductor magnus will be innervated by the sciatic nerve. And the sciatic is the one that will supply the nerve innervation for the hamstring muscles. So the muscle has a couple of responsibilities that way. Okay? So we're looking at the idea of the adductor magnus in that fashion. Now, there will be a grouping of muscles, six of them all together. They're called the lateral rotators of the hip. Obviously, they're responsible for laterally rotating the hip, turning the hip outward. And at this point, we're going to take a look at the one that comes from the outer surface of the, uh, of the hip bone here. It's the obturator externus, which is going to be this one. You can see how it comes from all this area here on the um, ischium and the pubis. And also keep in mind that the obturator foramen is covered with a membrane. And so this muscle will also pick up some attachment from that membrane as well. That's the obturator externus muscle. It comes across. It comes back this way and hooks into a little depression uh, on the back side of the femur around the greater trochanter. Take a look at the greater trochanter back here. Remember, we had on the back side the intertrochanteric crest, which went from the greater trochanter to the lesser. And there's a little pocket here that's going to a little depression that will give us the attachment then for the obturator externus. So it's going to be able then to come across and laterally rotate the hip, turn the hip outward. It's one of the six packaged together called lateral rotators of the hip joint. It will be innervated uh, through the obturator nerve. The obturator nerve that we had coming off the lumbar plexus will innervate the uh, obturator externus muscle. Comes from the front surface here of, the opt of that membrane covering the foramen, comes from the bottom rim of the, of the conjoint ramus that we looked at, comes across the neck of the femur here, and hooks into a little pocket. Uh, created by that intertrochanteric crest at the back. And it's our first of our six lateral rotators of the hip, innervated by that obturator nerve coming from the lumbar plexus. So that's one that we've taken care of. And I've just put this one in to give you a member that we, over on this side, we've got the, the sacral plexus with generating the major nerve, the sciatic nerve. Over on this side of the picture, we've got the lumbar plexus. And we've looked at the femoral nerve. Here's the obturator nerve. Obturator nerve will come through the obturator foramen. There's an opening in that membrane. And then the obturator nerve travels down and innervates most of the adductors. And it will innervate in the obturator externus muscle. And we'll pick up the obturator nerve coming that way. All right. And same thing with different schematic, but it gives you the same idea. Here's our my obturator nerve here. Okay. Then on the arterial side, we mentioned before, we take the aorta down to about the level of the fourth lumbar vertebrae. We split it. We get then a right and left common iliac arteries, one for the right side, one for the left side. Common iliac artery will come down to just about where the lumbar vertebrae sits on top of the sacrum. That's about where we're going to get the split of the, of the common iliac into external and internal. External, we followed down, we put it underneath the inguinal ligament and it became the femoral. Internal stays, some of it stays and supplies structures in the pelvic region. We're going to pick up a number of the branches off the internal that will poke out various openings. Uh, but for now, we're going to take a look at one of the branches coming off the internal is the obturator artery. And the obturator artery, once again, 
is going to then come through that opening in the, in the membrane covering the obturator foramen. And once again, it's going to give us arterial blood supply to the muscles on the medial side of the thigh region. That would be then our obturator artery is a branch off the internal iliac coming that way. I think I have a few more pictures. Here's one that's got a whole bunch of stuff on it. But you'll notice once again, here's, our, here's the common iliac, the common iliac at about the spot where the lumbar vertebrae sits on top of the, um, on top of the sacrum. We're going to split the common into an internal and an external. We'll take the external underneath the inguinal ligament. It'll become the femoral on the opposite side of that. And here, once again, will be a branch off the internal, the obturator. It's going to go through the obturator foramen, and then it's going to give us uh, arterial blood supply to the muscles on the medial side. So here's another look at the, at the obturator artery coming around that way. Okay? And uh, same thing. I've got a million of them. Here's the obturator artery coming through this way. Common splits into external and internal. And we will use a couple of the other branches off of the uh, internal. We'll, we'll follow those. Uh, but for now, we're just looking at this obturator coming around like that. And you see a lot of the branches off the internal are going to help to supply the structures in the pelvic region. Which we're not going there in this course, so we don't need to worry about that. All right, if you take a look at the uh, hip sacrum from posterior view, we have a couple of ligaments that join parts uh, of the sacrum and the hip bone. First one here is going to come from the sacrum and attach to the ischial spine. There's the spine of the ischium there. This is the sacral spinous ligament. Comes around like this. The sacral spinous ligament, what it's going to do is going to take the greater sciatic notch and it's going to complete the notch by giving it a uh, boundaries all the way around, and so it now is, would, would be referred to as the greater sciatic foramen. The notch becomes a foramen once you complete the boundary. Okay. So that's sacral spinous, coming from the sacrum, and it's going to go to the spine of the ischium. Comes around there, and here's my greater sciatic notch, comes like this. And we also then have a ligament that comes from the sacrum over to the ischial tuberosity. That'll be the sacral tuberous ligament, coming across this way. If you take the sacral tuberous ligament and combine it up here with the sacral spinous ligament, then you've created below the spine of the ischium the lesser sciatic foramen. Before we had the ligaments in, it was the lesser sciatic notch below the spine. Then once you get the ligaments to make a complete, complete the circle, then it's now the lesser sciatic foramen. And we'll have a number of things that are going to pass out the greater sciatic notch or the greater sciatic foramen. Uh, muscles are going to pass out, arteries and nerves will pass out. And we're also going to have some that are now going to use the lesser sciatic to come back into the pelvic region. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. So that's, a, that's our basic look then at the design of the sacral tuberous, sacral spinous ligaments coming around that way and completing the greater and the lesser sciatic notches and making them foramen. All right, this one, because I didn't get to scan it in, I just tried to do it. If you go to the next page, see the next page that's got the picture of the back of the um, hip bone? All right, th this might need a little explanation, so you might want to write these things in. Okay, you can see that this is as close as I could get to the picture uh, I had. You can see I've drawn in my picture the sacral tuberous ligament. You can figure that one out on the picture. That would be from the sacrum to the tuberosity. That's this one. And I've drawn on my picture the sacral spinous ligament from the sacrum to the ischial spine. So those are the two ligaments that are drawn on the picture. The top one is the sacral spinous. 
going to the spine of the ischium, and the bottom one is the sacro tuberous. And once again, it's going to then complete the greater sciatic and lesser sciatic notches to become the foramen. Right? Then you'll notice I have three dark lines going down. Those three dark lines represent the pudendal artery, vein, and nerve. And I'll talk about those later when we get to them. But just mark them on the picture as to what they represent. Doesn't matter which one's which in the order that they're in in the picture. Ar one's an artery, one's a vein, one's a nerve. Okay. That's what they represent. Now, now just, just to jump ahead a little bit, these guys here, what they're going to do is they're going to come out, well, the vein's going in the opposite direction, but they're going to come out the greater sciatic, hook around and then go back into the pelvic region by using the lesser sciatic. So they come out the greater and then they hook around and come back in the lesser. We'll talk, we'll look at that. And then these dotted lines that I've got on the picture, on the gluteal surface, the back one here, closer to the sacrum, that would be my posterior gluteal line. The middle one would be my anterior gluteal line. And the most, the one furthest down would be the inferior gluteal line. Posterior, anterior, inferior gluteal lines are the ridges that are on the gluteal surface of the ilium. They're going to give us locations for the attachment of the three sets of uh, the three gluteal muscles. All right. So if you want to mark that picture and, and, and label it, it might help you a little bit to try to understand what it is. Otherwise, it's a bunch of squiggly lines. Okay, sacrotuberous, sacro sacrospinous, lesser sciatic, above greater sciatic. The dotted lines on it represent the three gluteal lines on the gluteal surface. And the three solid bars going down represent artery, vein, and nerve, the pudendal vessels, and the pudendal nerve. And they're going to go out the, they go out the greater and come back in the lesser um, sciatic foramen. Okay, that, that explains what those are. And we'll get around to that. All right. Next step. Uh, another picture of the sacrospinous sacrotuberous. You can also have a look at the obturator foramen. It's going to be covered with a membrane, but we have a small opening there to let the obturator nerve go through and to let the obturator artery go through. A small opening in that spot there. And then the sacrospinous and sacrotuberous ligaments coming around that way. Sacrospinous ligament here will give you then the greater sciatic. Sacrotuberous and spinous will give you the lesser sciatic foramen. And we're going to end up with things passing in and out of those openings. Eh, same thing. Uh, and once again, I, put, I drew on this one the gluteal lines. Posterior gluteal, anterior gluteal, inferior gluteal. Okay. So, next one is the gluteus maximus. It's the external one, very thick, very coarse muscle. It's somewhat rectangular in its shape. It's going to pick up an attachment here from the very fibrous connection between the sacrum and the ilium picks up an attachment from uh, the sacrotuberous ligament as well back there. And it's also going to pick up an attachment from the back, the, the gluteal surface of the ilium from about as far forward as that posterior gluteal line. So it's from all of this region here, it's going to pick up its attachment. That would be the gluteus maximus. Very tough bundle of uh, connective tissue between sacrum and ilium here coming across. The sacroiliac joint bone-to-bone -bone connection is a synovial joint, but it's immovable. But we also have a lot of uh, fibrous connection between the sacrum and the ilium, and that's in part where you're going to pick up the attachment of the maximus. 
So from here, from as far forward as the posterior gluteal line, a little bit from the sacral tuberous ligament, will then give us the attachment for the gluteus maximus. And then we get about three quarters of it running into the iliotibial band. The uh, thickening of the fascia on the lateral side with the fibers traveling vertically up, we're going to get about three quarters of the muscle attaching into that. And we get about a quarter of the muscle coming and attaching into that uh, gluteal tuberosity. Gluteal tuberosity we picked up here, just underneath the greater trochanter. So maybe about a quarter of the muscle into the bone itself, and then about three quarters of the muscle running into the iliotibial band. We look at the gluteus maximus muscle here, coming and running into the iliotibial band, and a little bit running into the gluteal tuberosity. Innervated by the inferior gluteal nerve. So we took a look at this one before. Remember we said before, and I haven't done it yet, but we'll get to it. One of those six lateral rotators is the piriformis muscle. The piriformis muscle comes from the front surface of the sacrum, goes through the greater sciatic foramen, comes across and attaches fairly high up onto the greater trochanter of the femur. Use that one as our landmark so that one of the nerves coming off the sacral plexus that will come out below the level of the piriformis will be the inferior gluteal nerve. The inferior gluteal nerve is the nerve that supplies the gluteus maximus. And it's inferior because it comes out below the piriformis muscle. And we take a look at the design. There's another picture, same thing, of the sacral plexus. Major nerve off the sacral plexus will be the sciatic nerve. But we do pick up here an inferior gluteal nerve coming off, goes below the level of the piriformis and supplies the gluteus maximus muscle. Gluteus maximus is going to give you hip extending, and it's going to give you lateral rotation of the hip. That's going to be its major responsibilities. And it's going to be innervated by the inferior gluteal nerve coming off that. We take a look at it, the inferior gluteal nerve coming back this way, below the level of the piriformis muscle. That's the gluteus maximus. Okay. Then, deep to the maximus will be the gluteus medius. Here's the attachment of the medius here, and it's been cut, you can see. And the other attachment down here, it's been cut. The gluteus medius muscle will come from between the posterior and anterior gluteal lines. Let me go back and take a look at a gluteal line picture. Oh, that's good enough. It's going to come from between the posterior and the anterior gluteal lines. It'll come from this region. And while we've got the picture up, we might as well do the gluteus minimus as well. The minimus is going to come from between the anterior and the inferior, so it's going to come from this region. Posterior comes from as far forward as the posterior gluteal line. Gluteus medius, which is the middle one in the package, comes from between the posterior and the anterior. And the gluteus minimus, which is the deepest of the three, comes from between the anterior and the inferior gluteal line. It comes from this region. This one gives you a little bit of an idea of where the, the, these two muscles will attach. You notice the gluteus minimus muscle comes a little bit for, more forward onto the greater trochanter. The gluteus uh, medius muscle comes a little bit further back onto the trochanter. But both of these muscles are coming in front of the hip joint. Um, you think about, 
if you think about the, uh, the um, kind of the orientation of the hip, there's no question that the gluteus maximus is back here and it's going to be behind the hip, so you expect it to turn the hip outward or laterally rotate. But if you think about, feel where the front part of your hip bone is, and that's where the gluteus medius and minimus are coming from, they're going to come from the front back to attach onto the trochanter. So they're going to be medial rotators. They'll turn the hip inward. They'll give you abducting, allowing you to move the hip outward, like the, oops, like the tensor fasciolata muscle did. And they'll give you medial rotation of the hip. They'll turn the hip inward because they're coming from in front of the hip joint back to attach onto the areas of the greater trochanter. I tried to get a, an idea of, uh, give you an idea of it here. Particularly, if you look at the gluteus minimus muscle, it's attaching to the very front portion here uh, of the greater trochanter. So they're going to be medial rotators and they're going to be abductors. Get a little bit of an idea from, from that picture. Minimus is going to be deep to the medius. Uh, and this one gives you a little bit of an idea here as to, you see how far forward the attachment of the minimus is. It's coming from the, it's coming in front of the hip back to attach onto the femur. So it's going to be a medial rotator. The medius muscle will be just, will be here. Just a little bit in front of the attachment for the piriformis muscle. It'll be around, right around here. It's not shown. I had a hard time finding a picture that would show it. It would be about here would be the attachment for the medius, and the minimus is going to be attached here. Okay. Then, not only would th those two muscles give you abducting of the hip and medial rotation, but they're also critical in, the, in uh, locomotion. So when, you ha when you're taking a step forward, and you've got one leg that is non-supported, and the other leg obviously has to be supported, if the medius and minimus muscles don't contract on the support leg side, then there's nothing then to prevent your hip from dropping down as you take your swing leg and try to swing it forward in order to take a step. So when every step that you take on the support leg side, you'll get contraction of the medius and minimus muscles. It keeps the hips level. It allows then that swing leg to swing forward and clear the ground. Uh, in the case of it, there's damage to the muscle, or perhaps there's damage to the nerve that supplies the muscle, then you're going to have problems clearing your swing leg as it comes forward because the hip has nothing to keep it horizontal across. The non-support side will just drop down. So it becomes a fairly important muscle when they're taking a look at uh, people with uh, have problems with locomotion. Okay, and I go back. You'll notice now, once again, we have the inferior gluteal nerve coming off this sacral plexus supplied the gluteus maximus. The superior gluteal nerve coming off that sacral plexus will supply the gluteus medius and the gluteus minimus muscles. And we also use the superior gluteal nerve to supply the tensor fasciolata muscle. And it's the superior gluteal because, once again, we're coming out the greater sciatic above the level of the piriformis muscle. So that then gives us the, uh, the superior gluteal and inferior gluteal, both coming from the sacral plexus. Okay? All right. So now, we've done uh, obturator externus, 
We've taken care of that one. That was our first of the six lateral rotators. Second one in the list for the lateral rotators will be this one we've talked about a few times, piriformis. It's going to come from the front surface of the sacrum. It'll go through the greater sciatic foramen, comes and attaches onto the greater tubercle uh, on, the, uh, on the femur. And we'll go back and take a look. We have a little bit of an idea of where the piriformis is going to attach up here onto the very top part of the greater trochanter. There's another view of it here, attachment of the piriformis muscle. There and there. Piriformis is a lateral rotator of the hip. It'll turn the hip outward. And the nerve innervation for the piriformis is by its own nerve coming off the sacral plexus. I just have to find it in the thing here. Where's my nerve to the piriformis? See that little nerve there coming off? That goes directly to the piriformis muscle. So the piriformis has its own separate nerve coming off the sacral plexus. Here's, a more, here's another schematic look at the sacral plexus. It's really schematic. And here would be then a branch coming off that will go to the piriformis muscle by itself. So it has its own nerve supply that way. And once again, off that sacral plexus, we have the inferior and the, uh, the inferior and superior gluteal nerves came off. We've used those. And now we have the piriformis muscle. Whoop. Okay. Uh, which way to go? Uh, not that way. Go the other way. Now, uh, where do we go? Opter obturator internus muscle. The obturator internus muscle is a muscle that comes from the inner surface of the obturator foramen and the membrane. That means when it comes out, it's going to have to go around just below the spine of the ischium, hooks around and almost goes 90 degrees across and attaches onto the femur. That's the obturator. This is the obturator internus coming around this way. It hooks around the spine of the ischium, just below the spine of the ischium. And um, uh, it's kind of hard now because the real bones are starting to get a little bit, they're starting to hurt a little bit. But there should be a nice little smooth groove underneath the spine of the ischium for that obturator internus muscle to hook around. And then it goes across and attaches onto the uh, uh, inside that um, intertrochanteric crest uh, on the femur. Let's get an intertrochanteric crest. So there we've got that spot there for the obturator internus muscle to attach. Comes around that way. Obturator internus muscle. Now, here. If you look at the, at the picture, you notice here's the obturator internus muscle here, and there's the tendon for the obturator internus there, coming across this way. Coming from just above the spine of the ischium, across and blending with the tendon of the internus, is a muscle called the superior gemellus muscle. That's this little guy here. And coming from the ischium just below the spine of the ischium, coming around this way, below the level, below the obturator internus, is the inferior gemellus muscle. That's this little guy here. The superior gemellus and the inferior gemellus blend with the tendon of the obturator internus, and they all have a common attachment onto that same spot on the greater trochanter.
I, I um, put this on the Moodle site so you can go in and you can click it and you can print it out. And I didn't include it in the notes and I should include it in the notes. So here's the superior gemellus. It's going to come from just above the spine of the ischium. It's going to blend with the tendon of the obturator internus and attach to the greater trochanter. And it's going to be innervated by the nerve that supplies the obturator internus. So let's go back and take a look at that uh, sacral plexus again. There is a separate nerve that goes to supply the obturator internus muscle. Just as we had a separate nerve that came off and supplied the piriformis muscle. That obturator nerve is not the same obturator nerve that we had off the lumbar plexus that went to supply all the adductor muscles. So we're going to end up with two obturator nerves. We're going to end up with the obturator nerve off the lumbar plexus that went to supply um, the gracilis and the adductor longus and the adductor, uh, part of the adductor magnus, the adductor brevis. And we're going to then, and it also supplied the obturator externus, that was that obturator nerve. And that's off the lumbar plexus. Off the sacral plexus, we're going to end up with a nerve that goes to supply, I'm getting too close to it, the nerve that goes to supply the obturator internus muscle. That's that little guy. That's a different one than we used before. The nerve that supplies the obturator internus will also supply the superior gemellus muscle. So the nerve to the obturator internus is the nerve that goes to supply not only the obturator internus, but it goes to supply the superior gemellus. Then, the last of those six lateral rotators is this one called the quadratus femoris, four-sided one. Comes from the ischial tuberosity, comes across, and it's got its own little spot, its own little tubercle over here on the femur called the quadrate tubercle. You notice here we're looking at it, there's the quadrate tubercle here on the femur. So that one's called the quadratus femoris muscle. That's our last of our six lateral rotators. The quadratus femoris muscle has its own little nerve that comes off the sacral plexus. And that nerve also supplies the inferior gemellus muscle. They're all lateral rotators. So we've done already the obturator externus. We did that before, and that's listed. We've got the piriformis muscle, which has its own separate nerve coming off the sacral plexus, right? It supplies it. Then we have the obturator internus, which comes off the middle, the inside surface of the obturator foramen and the membrane, hooks around just below the spine of the ischium, goes across, almost makes a 90-degree turn, goes across and attaches onto the greater trochanter of the femur. The obturator internus is innervated by its own separate nerve coming off the sacral plexus. And that nerve as well will supply the gemellus muscle that comes, up, comes above the level of the obturator internus, the superior gemellus. Then from the, adduct, from the uh, ischial tuberosity across the bottom up lateral rotator, the quadratus femoris, it has its own nerve supply that comes off of the sacral plexus. And that nerve supplies the inferior gemellus, 
the one that comes off below the obturator internus. So we end up with six lateral rotators. Obturator internus, obturator externus, piriformis, two gemelli, and quadratus femoris. Right? This, I, put, I posted on the Moodle page. You can print it out. You don't need to worry about writing it down. In the notes, the obturator uh, externus is all written down correctly. Piriformis has got all the notes that you require. Obturator internus has all the notes that you require. What you're missing is a description of these three in, in more specific terms. And here they are. And once again, you can print, print it out or off of the, uh, from the, the Moodle site. Okay? That gives us then the six lateral rotating muscles of the hip joint. You can pick them out here. You can't see the obturator externus here, but you have the obturator internus, the piriformis. Gemellus means it's Latin for little twins, so you have two of them. You had a top one and a bottom one. Superior gemellus, inferior gemellus, and this four-sided one here, the quadratus femoris. Comes from the ischial tuberosity, has its own little tubercle over here on the femur. And then that, this, this picture gives you five of the six lateral rotators. The one you can't see from this picture would be the obturator uh, externus. Okay? And then once again, from this picture, the gluteus medius and the gluteus minimus. And once again, they're going to come and attach from the front back to the femur, so you'll get medial rotation and you'll get abducting, moving the hip outward using those muscles. All right? And that's where we're stopping.